You're listening to Don's Cast, an unofficial fan podcast about the greatest Australian football team, the Essendon Bombers. My name is Jamie. And I'm Nick. And welcome back to season two with us. Um, you know, we didn't bring much luck to the Bombers, mate, uh, when we first took up this uh, podcasting gig. But uh, I've got a funny feeling uh, <laughs> the second season might go a little bit better. Let's hope. Oh, look, it couldn't have got much worse. <laughs> no, that's right. Well, tonight's uh, episode, it's uh, fairly early in the season. Like, obviously, we haven't even started um, any of the JLT or the practice matches yet. But um, we were lucky to have an a opportunity to interview one of our ex-players who played 100 games for the Bombers back between 1968 and 1974 in Peter Daniel. And um, to play 100 games in the AFL, mate, um, or the VFL back then, uh, that's a huge effort. And to play them all in red and black makes it even better. Absolutely, mate. It was a fantastic chat with him. So hoping everyone uh, gets around that one. He definitely had some great stories for us. And, uh, yeah, we we're definitely wrapped to have him on the show. Yeah, it was interesting to see his thoughts on the current Bombers and um, just what impact he thought, you know, the history of the club has had. Um, you know, I just think that he's really been, uh, you know, we hear about these names sometimes and until you do your research like we did, um, you know, we can be a little bit, you know, well, it was before my time, um, you know, Essendon didn't have a great era in that time. So some of these players have forgotten, but they shouldn't be because, like, you know, to play 100 games, as I said, not many players do that. And, um, yeah, he certainly... Had a long and decorated career in AFL footy, uh, sorry, in BFL footy, sorry, but also in the in the other ranks, like in Tasmania, where I think he won five or six premierships, mate, as a coach. That's it, and I guess the another big one is, uh, you know, he, he talked about the players he he played on, and there's some absolute legends of the game uh, he talked about. So, hopefully, uh, everyone gets a, a good listen out of that. And he's a um, although he's born out. Yeah, Lily Dalway, yeah. Uh, he's actually got a, a strong affiliation with Tassie and he has some strong thoughts on uh, whether Tassie should get their own clubs. So I'm sure they're Tasmanian uh, people who are really interested in, you know, them getting their own team potentially one day. Um, there's a guy who's had a long career in Tasmania and, uh, yeah, he's had some strong thoughts on that, as I said. Yeah, absolute ripper of a chat and, uh, yeah, ripping bloke as well. Yeah, okay. So, well, obviously, we've been in hiatus uh, for a little while. Um, yeah, we haven't had any um, bombers stuff to talk about, you know, in terms of games. So, uh, we've given it a little while. Uh, we thought we'd do a little bit of a, you know, bearing in mind we had that interview, we might discuss a few things about what's been happening in the club since you know, our last episode, which was just after the, you know, basically the rookie drafts um, from last year. So, um, you know, obviously, there's been some things happening. And uh, maybe you want to start running through some of those? Yeah, so I guess, um, you know, one of the big things was, uh, you know, uh, James Kelly stepping away from Bomberland, um, you know, to spend more time with family, as has been reported. And uh, we certainly wish James well. Um, look, he came to the club. Uh, when we were down at our lowest point, mate, and, um, you know, the the way he was able to sort of um, instill a bit of professionalism, like not only in our back line, but, you know, give the younger kids um, someone to look up to and 
um, help structure us down there at a time where, um, you know, we were sort of bereft of, of players. Um, can't thank him enough for that. And then also the, the work he's done as a coach at the club. I mean, he, he knocked back offers to, uh, to join uh, the AFL, um, like in the exec area there, uh, and stuck with the Bombers. So, um, yeah, been an excellent servant for us since getting to the club. Uh, you know, I believe he was a, a um, Bombers fan as a kid, so glad we got him, uh, you know, toward the end of his, his career and, and as a coach. So, um, yeah, definitely wishing him, him all the best. Yeah, so really, it was a bit of a strange time for him to make that announcement. Obviously, uh, the story goes that his wife um, has earned a promotion and you know, it was his turn to to take the parental duties. Um, but I guess that, you know, in an ideal world, uh, we'd probably know that at the end of the season before, you know, after a pre-season. Um, but obviously family circumstances, you can't pick and choose when they happen. And um, he's obviously made the best decision for him and his family. And, you know, um, sounds like Essendon won't be filling that role, um, you know, externally. It'll be filled from within. Um, so let's just hope, I know he's, yeah, hugely popular, popular with the uh, younger players. So, um, yeah, he's going to be a big loss. There's no doubt about that, but I'm sure he'll still keep an eye on the bombers. Yeah, another one who, um, you know, it's happened recently, not not the best news uh, with Michael Hurley, um, you know, sort of went for that, um, you know, surgery to get his hip looked at and uh, turns out he got a bit of a sort of infection there, uh, needed to re-enter hospital and so he's on the on the men now so out of hospital and just uh recovering uh with the bombers sort of saying look you know um when he's back to playing that's not even on the radar at the moment he's, he's just got to get himself right um which i think is absolutely the right call i mean michael hurley's just been such a fantastic uh player role model um ambassador for the Essendon football club um so we certainly wish him well in his recovery and uh Look, hopefully we do see him um, play again. Um, but look, his his health is uh, first and foremost. So hope he uh, hope he yeah gets well and uh, and recovers uh, as quickly as possible. Yeah, well, Tim Watson reporting that yeah, you know, obviously, and that's the least of our concerns in terms of Michael's health. But yeah, he's unlikely to be available in the early part of the season. So. Um, let's just, as you say, reiterate what you said, Michael. Uh, hopefully he gets you know, healthy is the main thing and we'll work on the footy part of it you know, as the season goes on. Um, Jakey Stringer has had a few Achilles problems, it sounds like. Um, fortunately, it doesn't sound like he's done his Achilles. Let's hope not because that can be a, you know, a season job you know, if you're doing Achilles properly. So uh, let's hope that... Um, you know, I know he's in a moon boot at the moment, but let's say that uh, it's not going to be too long term, and uh, he can get that, uh, you know, that area correct because um, you know, he's such an important player, particularly with the absence of Fantasia and Danaher, uh, to lose, you know, someone as you know, a live wire like Jakey is going to be really hard to fill. Yeah, absolutely, mate. He's. Uh... Yeah, looks like, as you say, let's hope it's precautionary uh, rather than anything serious. And uh, yeah, we'd rather, you know, take the time before the season gets going to sort of getting on the mend uh, than uh, trying to push it through and, yeah, potentially see him, uh, see him out for quite a while. Um, 
But uh, in other news, like with with training, it looks like there's a few uh, position changes happening, James. Um, you know, the, according to some of the articles from the club, um, looks like they want to uh, you know retry Paddy Ambrose down forward again, as was the case when uh, when Bomber Thompson took the reins. Well, he's certainly got the fitness to play wherever he wants. Um, you know, if he's got that foot injury uh, right. Um, as we know, we didn't see him last year, and that really debilitated him, that injury. And, uh, you know, if he can get his fitness up again, I think he can be the kind of player... Look, I think the reason he didn't really succeed up forward, he, he does have trouble finding the footy um, in that position. Like, he's a great defensive forward. I, I, we all remember that um, that bone-jarring tackle <laughs> on a hill um, many years ago. But I think he could bring that kind of de- that uh, pressure, that frontal pressure, as they used to call it, um, you know, up there if uh, he was given the opportunity. Um, you know, as I said, uh, I guess his weaknesses is finding the footy on his own. And he's such a great one-on-one defender. You know, he's, um, I-, I think he was ranked elite at one stage on being his opponent. So... Um, yeah, it's obviously something they want to look at, but I, I would imagine that's to um, try and pressure pressure that ball to stay in the SM forward line. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, so going down the other way, so it looks like Laverty, Stewart and Carl have all been training with the backs. So, uh, you know, we saw Stewart last year get um, chucked down back a couple of times. and actually seemed to acquit himself pretty well in all reports uh, from training, thanks to, to Knackers and co for uh, for your reports on Bomber Blitz. Um, sounds like he's he's doing all right down there. So, uh, and with Carl, like apparently he's come back and ripping Nick and, you know, he's really taken on the uh, the role of sort of training with the backs. Um, yeah, really, uh, really doing well there. And I think he's been training a lot with uh, Andy McGrath quite a lot as well. So I'm wondering if he's sort of Teaching, um, teaching him a few of the sort of lockdown tips and tricks uh, that he used uh, when he was down there. So it'll certainly be very interesting, um, you know, how we line up because, you know, we certainly saw in the last year or two um, our options when it comes to, you know, small defenders were, was pretty slim and particularly with, uh, with Saad and Connor gone. Um, we're going to have to look, uh, look at what we've got and... Uh, yeah, hopefully these blokes can uh, can acquit themselves well. Yeah, it surprised me with the Carl move, like if that is to be on the cards, because obviously with Fantasia going, I thought Carl might be the, a good option to play, like lock him in the forward line, because um, he could be quite creative. He's known to be quite creative in the under-18 competition as well. Um, I think Champion Data had him in the elite category in that. So... Um, but as you say, if he's improved his fitness and obviously it's an area of need, maybe um, the coaches have thought, you know, he's got the running capacity to add that drive. And, you know, with uh, Nick Hind coming across from St Kilda, you know, I imagine he'll be playing down back. So, you know, as you said, we've lost Saad and McKenna. We do need that those running players to come from the back line to bring the ball forward. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh yeah, just on champion data, I'm not sure how much we uh, should really rely on that kind of stuff when Mason Cox is uh, <laughs> one of the elite <laughs> forwards of the game, mate. Um, look, you know, he's taken some big grabs and had some big games, but um, I'm not sure if the uh, if everything stacks up. Um, but, you know, um, 
other good news, I reckon it's good news, is, uh, you know, Hooker, he's, he's come back looking sort of reinvigorated and, and fit. You know, we saw it at the end of the last year. He, um, you know, wasn't moving very well. Um, and also, obviously, there was the... Uh, yeah, some altercations uh, which happened at the end there with uh, with Bally not getting a farewell game, um, or at least that was, you know, what what the scuttlebutt we were hearing. Uh, but it looks like he's he's really uh, buying into to what uh, Truck's trying to do at Bomberland, and um, yeah, he's looking really well from all reports. Yeah, and another player that looks in ripping form is, yeah, I want to say form in ripping shape at least is Tipper. Um, yeah, Anthony McDonald, Tim Woody. Uh, I saw a few photos of him, and he looks particularly lean. Um, and, and Jake Stringer was looking like that as well. Yeah, he looked like he'd lost that. Yeah, the rig looked a little bit reshaped. But um, yeah, obviously now with the Achilles injuries, that might thing. But it's really promising to see, you know, Tipper, um, you know, really in good form. Or Wallow. Yeah, I always get confused with uh, that. Like, do we call him Tipper Wallow? <laughs> AMT. Um, or just Anthony. So, which way do you want to go, mate? Oh, look, you know, he's uh, he's he said he's happy with either. I think Waller is his, his preferred, but um, look, you know, as long as we're we're calling him in the red and black, we'll always be uh, we'll always be happy to have him at Bomberland. Yeah. Now Adelaide are in the search for a new CEO, and uh, apparently they've made their target Xavier Campbell. Um, now Xavier Campbell might be the top of their list, but we're hearing reports that Xavier's pretty keen to stay at Tullamarine and um, particularly with Vessman's uh, 150th year, you know, not far away. Um, and I think Xavier really has been working towards that achievement for a long time. Um, and I don't think he wants to step away to miss it. So it be interesting to see it. And also, obviously, Tullamarine's getting you know, upgraded. So I think a lot of these things uh, Xavier would have, you know, pointed to actually be there when they actually come to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I guess for him to take over another role like at Adelaide, because there's also the reports that, you know, Xavier might be in the running to uh, basically take over from uh, from Gil McLaughlin as the um, you know, CEO of the, of the AFL, um, you know, later down the track. So, look, um, you know, I think there's... Plenty of people who sit either side of the fence as to whether they love or hate um, Xavier, but I think one thing um, us Bomber fans uh, can never um, sort of underestimate is just how much work he's done to uh, get the off, get the sort of off-field side of Essendon, um, you know, up and pumping. You know, when he sort of came on, uh, we were in pretty bad uh, circumstances, both in terms of the the media we're getting, but also our, our financial bottom line. Uh, he's managed to uh, sort of really get us up and about in that space. And I know we're football fans first, and, and that's what we really care about, the results on the field. Um, but I personally think that Xavier's done a fantastic job in uh, you know, making Essendon as strong as we can be off the field. Um, so now it's on the coaches and the players um, you know, and, the, and the club as a whole to get the on-field right. But I think he's uh, definitely laid the foundations to, to bring us back to being a strong club. Yeah, I I'm really like what Xavier's done for the club, no question. Uh, you know, I probably questioned him last year in terms of, um, you know, I thought he was a bit too silent, um, and that's just my 
you know, I think the club was really hurting, especially mm. when you think we lost nine of our last 10 games. Well, you know, we, we only won one of our last 10. Mm. Um, I, yeah, I just felt there was a platform for him to come out and, and probably speak more. But, um, yeah, you know, that's probably my only criticism of him. You know, you can't question his love for the Bombers. Like, he's uh, you know, definitely um, is constantly referring to... Uh, to the Bombers in terms of, you know, his family life as well. So, um, yeah, I think it'd be a long, long bow to see him leave, but um, obviously he will have to make that decision. But as I said, it sounds like uh, he's in no, uh, yeah, no keen, he's not, he's not keen to move. He, he wants to see, as I said, that 150th year. He's uh, been working towards that. And, um, yeah, with it being so close, why would you leave? Yeah. Booty, well, uh, things coming forward. So uh, there's a closed doors practice match um, between Essendon and the old enemy, the Blues, on the 25th of February at Icon Park. Um, yeah, unfortunately, you know, no fans allowed to uh, to attend. Um, yeah, I guess we'll we'll see whether any uh, sort of reports get leaked or, uh, you know, if any of the uh, Bomber Blitz veterans are able to peek over the fence and uh, give us a bit of a report. But, uh, yeah, it should be interesting to see... Um, you know, what we hear about that first hit out and then the uh, obviously the, uh, the JLT games or pre-season games or whatever, uh, cut from the two originally planned. Now it's just the one um, versus Geelong, uh, 6th of March, I believe it is, Jame. Yeah, I believe so. Um, that's a Thursday night, I think. It's a, um, yeah, I believe that they were playing up there in Geelong and uh, we play in the regular season against Geelong up there as well. So, um you know, that's uh, a far cry. I think we hadn't played there in the regular season since 1993. So um, let's hope that's a, a good omen. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I still remember that game, mate. I, um, my wife's family barracked for Geelong and I went up there and I thought we were going to play very well. Um, and I think we got about five or six injuries that day. So uh, let's just say the train ride, ride home uh, was not very uh, accommodating for <laughs> me. And um, I was looking for spots to hide on the train um, while um, I was reminded um, who had won that day. But, oh, bloody long train ride from Geelong as well, mate. Yeah. Uh, the, the good thing was six weeks later, I could uh, bloat, gloat about, about the uh, Essendon Premiership and how Geelong had just missed the finals. So um, I got my own back that day. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Um, I guess in other news, um, sort of more VFL related, um, you know, uh, I was sort of sad to, to hear about, um, you know, Aaron Heppel uh, sort of retiring from VFL footy. Like he's obviously been the captain of our VFL side. Um, and it's sort of great to hear that, um you know, while he was the captain of the VFL team, it sounds like he's had quite a an impact on the Essendon Football Club as a whole, like even the uh, sort of senior uh, side. And, um, you know, unfortunately, he's, he's one of those uh, ones that, you know, I guess missed opportunity. Um, you know, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't picked up. And, um, you know, even though he won... Um, didn't he win a couple of best and fairest like for the for the league uh, in the VFL? Um, so he's obviously highly respected um, there, but unfortunately just uh, couldn't get an AFL gig. 
Uh, and he's made this sort of personal decision to head back to Lee and Gather. I believe he's got some, uh, what is it, coaching there lined up as well, is it? Yeah, I believe he's going down there to coach and um, at least in an assistant coach for, uh, capacity. But, um, yeah, I think it's, you know, I know we shouldn't give out list spots to um, anyone like just because they're, you know, heart and soul kind of players, but, yeah, I wonder if that ever crossed Essendon's mind. You know, obviously we've had some spots over the years that haven't come come up the way we'd like them to. And I just think we couldn't have failed too much by giving him a bit of a go. And, you know, who knows what we would have got out of him. But um, he's certainly, you know, in VFL finals competition, um, he played as good a footy as any of those players out there. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, he was just such a, a player that, you know, played with real heart and passion and, you know, if anything, I think that's the spot Essendon need to improve. So um, it's a shame he never got a go and, um, yeah, yeah, particularly, you know, when he was the kind of player that, yeah, I, I guess, and what you hear is that it's always about what he didn't do. So he didn't have, he didn't have pace. He, he wasn't as tall as Dyson. So, you know, all of these things that, it was about like what he didn't have rather as opposed to what he did have. And, um, yeah, I would have liked to see him get one run at least with the seniors to see, hey, we're going to give you a season. Uh, we make no promises after that. Yeah, anything you achieve will be on you. But, um, yeah, we never came to that. We never came to that, uh, you know, outcome. Now, I guess, like, um, just briefly on him, like I just remember him making like so many, like watching the VFL, like he'd be on the last line of defence, and then you'd see him, uh, you know, in the in the midfield, really scrapping in there to to grab the footy. Um, like <clears throat> watching him play, he did everything he could. He got the most out of himself. Um, so you know, to to be one of those blokes who not the fastest, not the not the quickest, you know, not the not the tallest, not the strongest, that kind of thing. But he, I reckon, he got everything out of himself, and um, you know, to lead the VFL side and um, go deep into finals with that side, um, I reckon, is a great achievement for Aaron. And um, yeah, it's sad for us to to see him go, but wishing him all the best. Um, yeah, back back home in Lee and Gather. Uh, um, in good news with the VFL. Uh, we've finally got Dunkley on board. You know, we've been working on it since, <laughs> yeah, since early October. But um, you know, we've been really keen to get Dunkley, and we've finally got him. Um, it's only the first half, though, mate. I promise you. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we've got his brother Kyle. Um, no, we've got Kyle Dunkley on the list. He's come across from Melbourne, um, and that's the first link in the chain, mate. Um, yeah, yeah. We'll work on the other part, but coincidentally, uh, I believe Kyle and Josh live together. So hopefully, um, you know, uh, Kyle's time at Essendon is very promising, and uh, he can on pass that information to his brother about um, what a welcoming club it is to come to. Yeah, absolutely, mate. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, see, so um, see, so they signed uh, Atley as well. Uh, I believe from Port. Um, yeah, Joe. Yep. Yeah, so. Uh, it's a yeah, a couple of good additions to our VFL side. <clears throat> and the um, yeah, VFL is due to actually kick off the season on the seventeenth uh, of April. Um, all reports are that the fixture will be out later this month, uh, but it'll be a sixteen-game season across nineteen rounds. 
uh, and it'll feature 22 clubs um, you know, from across Queensland, New South Wales and Victoria. So I think they're going by the name of like uh, v, uh, VFL in the Eastern States or something like that. Um, but in any case, it'll be a top eight final structure uh, with the uh, final sort of due to start. I think it's around the 28th of August and then um, you know, a grand final couple a uh, few weeks later around this sort of mid-september so uh you know it'll be be good to see that competition up and about mate yeah definitely it's going to be an important one for us because obviously we've got those three top 10 draft picks um we don't know how much of those footy that they're going to play in the seniors um you know nick cox is apparently training very well um archie perkins seems very exciting and then zach reed is another one who you know all reports has got you know, some elite kicking. Um, you know, he's, he's obviously needs to put a bit of size on. And then obviously later on down the track, we got Cody Rand and also um, Josh Air, Josh Air, the forward. So, you know, when you think about it, we predominantly recruited key position this year. Um, so it's really important to get games into those players in the lesser competition while they're building their bodies up to get to the next level. Um, but, yeah, I think um, the VFL, I'm really itching for it to come back because it's one of those aspects of the game we missed last year. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and, like, for, for you know, we saw it quite a lot last year where blokes just weren't quite there. I mean, we saw, you know, people like Redmond and, uh, you know, where they just weren't hitting their straps. Um, you know, if they were able to go back to a... To VFL level, get some confidence and then come back reinvigorated. Uh, it'd just be fantastic. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping the, um, that competition goes well. <clears throat> Pardon me, goes well. Um, and we're able to sort of really see some of these young players come through. And, uh, yeah, look, who knows uh, what that could be for us, mate. Um, but they all seem uh, like they're itching to get out on the park, which is just uh, fantastic to see. Now, we've got a couple of list spots still uh, vacant, mate, and um, potentially three when you think about it because um, Irving Mosquito, no doubt, would be put on a long-term injury. And, uh, you know, we do know the mid-season draft is coming back. So, you know, that's a given that we'll keep one spot at least for that. Mm. We've got three players training with the Bombers um, that we're aware of. Um, you yeah, you want to run through those, mate? Yeah, so... Um... You know, Waterman, who's a, a bit of a sort of forward, big-bodied mid. Um, you know, uh, apparently quite a good user of the footy. Um, and, you know, from from reading the uh, Bomber Blitz reports, again, thank you. Uh, thank you all for your, your great eyes there. Um, you know, even though he's a bigger body, um, he does have a bit of zip about him, like the first few steps. So he seems an interesting prospect and then we've got uh baker um who i believe is a bit of a was he half back or something like that but um quite a um apparently a, quite a good user of the footy um and then i think the last one is burns if i'm not mistaken again i think it was a backman was he jane uh, yeah i think he's from the under 18s of charlie burn i think his name is and uh, he uh yeah Played a lot down half back. Um, obviously, last year there was no footy for anyone to play, so mm. uh, we're going on a lot on you know basically 2019 form level. But um, yeah, he's apparently he's got a little bit of zip and half back flanker and um, can use the footy quite well. So 
obviously that back line, I think uh, I think it's Angus Baker, I think his name was. He's from uh, Sydney Swans. Like um, obviously he he um, obviously didn't make it there, but he yeah he's obviously been on AFL list and um, yeah Waterman obviously the son of Chris Waterman who played for the Eagles and ex father and son. He's had a wretched luck with injury. Um, and uh, I think he had like chronic fatigue um, issues as well. So he's actually, um, you know, really fought back to get an opportunity, you know, to make the trip across to the eastern seaboard and have a go for, um, you know, to try and win that spot. And uh, at this stage, we haven't heard a um, an answer on which way the club's leaning. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're exploring a few options and. Uh, it'll be interesting to see you know, the final makeup of our side. Yeah, and look, it looks like the direction is that, um, like all three of them, sound like um, like they're good users of the footy, and it looks like they're trying to address that need. I think that's one thing the club has, um, yeah, sort of failed to do over the last um, years. That like failed to address needs. We'd sort of gone for uh, for out and out talent as opposed to. Um, addressing what we need but I think we see now um, you know in the last draft you know we picked up the three uh, three talls to to sort of fill those um, key position stocks um, you know as well as uh, Brandon Air, uh, and then you know if these guys are good users of the footy um, you know potentially pick up one and you know maybe maybe two of those because I'm just sort of thinking James and I don't know how it works but yeah, you know, obviously with um, with Hurley um, sort of going down and not expected back for a while, do you reckon he might be like? Is there a potential to put him on a long term injury list as well, or how would that work? Oh no, he, he would have to be out for you know, sixteen plus weeks um, yeah, okay, to right. be put on that. So um, basically, you know, once you sign a player on that long term injury list, um, basically. It, foregoes the other player yeah. so yeah you can't have their um pick of both so yeah I, I don't think Hurley would be in that bracket um unless obviously that infection is very worse uh very bad so um yeah I think that would be less likely but I think oh, definitely the Irving Mosquito one they'll want to keep up their sleeve because uh, you know I can't see him coming back this year mm. so um and you know I guess the real call the club has to make that I want to take two picks into that mid-season draft or, you know, to see where the club's at at that later stage of the year or do they want to um, you know, take two players now and, and, and leave only the one spot. So I'll uh, be very interested to see which way they go. Um, obviously, I think, you know, going into this season, especially if you're looking at the player James Stewart down back, um, the key forwards still worry me a little bit. Um, so, um, yeah, I was surprised they didn't look at, you know, potentially trolling someone like that. You know, even, um, you know, as far-fetched as it was, maybe Paddy McCartan even to um, come down and, and have a look at, you know, see if his body was right to, um, to come back to AFL football. Well, obviously, at this stage, every club um, hasn't, been that brave to actually you know, explore that. Uh, we've heard some clubs linked to him, like um, Carlton was linked to him for a small period, I think Sydney. But um, yeah, no, at this stage, um, 
we haven't really looked to address that um, apart from obviously Peter Wright, who um, hasn't played a lot of footy um, in the seniors for a long time. So um, by reports, he's got a beautiful kick on him. And I guess the real question will be is how much of the contested footy he can win. Yeah, but um, you know, he, he sounds like he's uh, he's just looking to crack in and do all he can. Um, you know, again from the training reports we read on Blitz, um, yeah, it sounds like he's starting to take a few contested grabs. But I mean, how much of that is actually contested when you look at um, training, especially this time of year when they're looking to sort of limit contact and that kind of stuff. And obviously now with the uh, you know restrictions, meaning you can only go and. Uh, you know, training groups of 10, that sort of limits that opportunity to, to trial that. But he um, looks looks and sounds like he's got the right attitude, mate, and um, looking to really um, take this opportunity on with both hands. And, uh, yeah, hopefully he does the same with the footy and uh, is able to kick a few goals throughout the season. Um, personally, I'm really, really hoping we um, uh, we see a fair bit of Harrison Jones this year. He looks sort of really bulked up. Uh, uh, you know, particularly in the upper body, he's, uh, he looks to me like an absolute player. Um, so uh, I'm hoping we see he see him quite a lot uh, down there in the in the forward line. Um, and you know, the other reports we're sort of hearing is um, you know, while Sam Draper is going to be the big ruckman down there, looks like he and Peter Wright might might form a bit of a combo, like uh, chopping out between the ruck and forward. And certainly we've seen uh, Draper, he's, he's got a big leap on him for a big bloke and he doesn't mind uh, throwing his body around. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he went down forward, even if he's not taking a grab, uh, he would most definitely be able to crash the pack and bring the ball uh, down to our small forwards. And um, look, hopefully with that sort of um, combo, um, you know, hopefully with a bit of a system, uh, yeah, we can see blokes like Tipper, uh, potentially Deb Smith, um, you know, looking to bring him down the forward forward line there. Um, Will Snelling, these kind of guys, hopefully they can buzz around and, uh, you know, uh, sneak a few goals here and there. So, look, uh, while, uh, you know, uh, we might not have a fantastic year, I think there's reason for optimism uh, that we will see at least some exciting things happen around the club. Um and uh, yeah, certainly, I've um, I've actually been really enjoying uh, some of the communication for the club recently. Like the the road to twenty uh, twenty one, like those episodes, um, really been enjoying those. Seeing how uh, sort of Ben Rutten and the leadership team of um, you know sort of driving this uh, communication about you know uh, understanding and and respecting the the history of the Essendon Football Club and taking inspiration from our past to to really start to develop a brand of who we are as a club. And, uh, you know, hopefully that'll um, come down through to the players, um, you know, with a game style that sort of stands up in the big games because um, that's definitely been been missing in, in previous seasons. Uh, 100%. And I guess, look, uh, the other thing to note is obviously we've got a new leadership group that was... Um, named, you know, since our last episode, you know, with Dyson Heppel returning as skipper. Uh, I was pleased to see Zach Merritt back into the leadership group. Um, obviously, Andy McGrath. Um, those those three, like, to me, were no-brainers. Um, and, you know, I think, like, you know, the younger players 
will have to be the ones that will you know, take this forward. And um, you know, I just think that the leadership group has been a bit too flip floppy, if you know what I mean, like you know, in and out, in and out. Um, what are your thoughts on the leadership group, mate? Yeah, I really like it. I think uh, yeah, it's great to see Zach Merritt back in there. I think he was um, yeah, sort of hard done by uh, missing out last year so um great to see him back in there um you know for more reports dyson heppel is absolutely the bloke to to lead the club um on the field um <clears throat> hopefully we can actually get him back for some more games this year <clears throat> looks like he's um due for a um, sort of reinvigorated role as well like um back off the halfback uh, where he sort of started his uh career with us which is um which would be great because you know while he has been uh, sort of effective as that extractor of the pill, he reads the game so well. He's he's got a good marking ability um, and can hopefully uh, you know structure us up quite well and and still affect the the contests um, you know around the ground whether it's uh, whether it's ball ups or um, you know I suppose those more um, uh, yeah more physical elements. Um, when we need him, but I think he'll, um, yeah, particularly with the loss of, of Connor and, and Saad, we'll really need some experienced heads uh, down back, and I think that'll be great for us. And, uh, you know, of course, Andy McGrath, um, even starting to see him uh, talk a lot more um, with the group, just off the videos we see off the uh, off the website. He just seems like such, a, such an assured character, and we definitely have seen his leadership um, on the field, uh, you know, he's while um you know his kicking might have been a bit suspect at times like he has uh, put himself out there um and tried to get everywhere he can you know forward back center uh to you know to get the pill and and get us going in the right direction um on the ground so i think he's uh you know on field leadership um you know has been recognized and uh yeah obviously with the with the leadership team uh, can help us off the field as well to really sort of drive standards. So I'm uh, actually quite um, quite happy with the look of the leadership group, mate. Yeah, and I guess the other talk was uh, Dylan Shiel and Devin Smith dropped out of there and um, you know, I guess Zaharakis as well. Um, it's quite a few that have been like in and out and um, I guess for those two players, like, you know, they'll have to earn their way back in if, they, if that's what they want to do. But, um, yeah, um, I, I'm, I think it's quite a welcome change. I think, you know, those leaders that they've chosen are definitely the ones that, you know, those, especially those three, they're, they're the ones that you would think should be in that leadership group. Absolutely, mate. And uh, another thing I'm liking out of the Bomberland is just talk about um, developing a bit of a blue-collar style uh, which sort of says to maybe want our players to really work for each other in the jumper rather than uh, you know trying to rely on sort of flash and style which might look good every now and then but um, you know we get found out on the field uh, more often than not so I'm looking forward to seeing um, you know this sort of come to fruition um, because that's what we want to see as fans um, you know we know we're, we're not going to win every game but Look, if, at least if our players can be sort of relied upon to, you know, um, do their all for the jumper and their and their team and just work hard for each other, um, that's what we um, sort of 
really expect as as fans. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of liking the messaging that's that's coming out, and uh, yeah, it does give me reason for hope. Yeah, I forgot to mention too. It's actually um, Michael Hurley's still part of that leadership group. So um, yeah, we've just talked about his injury. Um, yeah, he yeah he's definitely a, a leader himself in terms of especially down back the bear is um, yeah definitely a, a key player that those uh, young defenders uh, lean on. Um, we've heard Andy McGrath and also Jordan Ridley comment on that before. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a, yeah, a really good quartet, those four. Absolutely, mate. Um, apart from that, I mean, there's not much really can really comment on. I mean, you, you're hearing sort of mixed reports about how certain players are going at training. You know, obviously Ridley going well. <clears throat> there's reports that Francis is, uh, you know, while his running hasn't been fantastic, his kicking's looked beautiful and more assured and, um, you know, let's let's hope that these guys continue to uh, sort of develop and, and really put it out there um, for this season. Um, because I guess, you know, when we're going into a season not expecting uh, a lot of wins, um, you know, the, the one thing I do want to see is, uh, you know, blokes like that really, uh, you know, put their all out for the club and um, and show what they're made of. Because, I, I, yeah, there's absolutely a lot of uh, great talent on the side and, um, yeah, just uh, be excited to, to watch them out there. Yeah, I guess the other um, position we filled since our last episode, mate, was the uh, head of football and Josh Marnie got the role there. So um, he's another one that has joined the Bombers over the... Uh, off season and it's got a pretty key role there at the moment. So, um, yeah, like I said, he, he played some VFL footy with us back in the day, um, and yeah, most recently been with Melbourne. So uh, he's obviously got a lot of experience, and let's hope he can um, use that to help the Bombers, um, you know, get to that next finals win, mate. Because um, everyone kept reminding me a few days ago, or we'd reached the six thousand day. <laughs> You know, and I, my, my comeback to them was like, so we've had 6,000 days of out of finals win, right? Like, okay. like, you guys still haven't caught up to us in premierships yet. You know, so like, <laughs> how long do we have to sit out before you guys actually <laughs> can actually address that? Like, um, so, yeah, I know it's probably, you know, we're drawing on the past, but, I mean, um, it's easy for these clubs to, or, you know, club supporters to, to bag us and that, but you know, when it's coming from St Kilda supporters and Melbourne supporters, you have to scoff at them and think, uh, "What has your club actually done in you know fifty years?" You know, like, uh, yeah, don't worry about our last twenty. You worry about your club's last fifty. Uh, um, uh, give, give it back sometimes. That's it. You've got to love the banter, mate. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, um, I, I guess like I think we'll go to our interview next and. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll go to that. And it's a fascinating interview. I, yeah, I really enjoyed um, speaking to Peter. And, um, yeah, I hope you do too. So we'll be back after the break and speaking to Essendon 100 game player, Peter Daniel. Peter. 
played 100 games over seven seasons between 1968 to 74 and kicked 54 goals for the Bombers. Tonight, we're very lucky to have Peter Daniel on the line. Thank you, Peter, for joining us. No problems. Enjoy. Well, I guess we'll lead this off by some questions and um, let's start with uh, Nicholas. Uh, you can start with the first question, mate. Yeah, beauty. All right, so, um, so Peter, I guess, first of all, you know, he played 100 games in the red and black, um, which is a fantastic achievement. Were you always an Essendon fan or, like, you know, how did, how did that absolutely. Sort of come about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, there's a few little stories about all of that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, I, was, I think I was about three and someone um, nearby, a neighbour's kid used to run around saying, I'm John Coleman, I'm John Coleman. So I used to do the same thing. So though I guess that's where it started. But, you know, a little bit later on, um, I had a few approaches. I had one from South Melbourne, another one from Hawthorne. And uh, Gordon Collis, when he won the uh, Brownlow medal for Carlton, um, because I lived in the Arrow Valley and he was a Hillsville boy. Um, he used to come over on on Friday nights uh, for probably about half a year and play cards and talk to me about football and tried to encourage me. And uh, and uh, my dear old mum said to me, uh, Peter, um, he's a lovely boy, that Gordon. Uh, what, what, what are you going to say when he asked? I said, well, I'm not, not even going to play with Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> but she said... Uh, well, he comes over all the time. Perhaps you should say, tell him. So I said, Gordon, I really, really thank you for coming over and spending all that time with me, but I'm not ever going to play with Carlton and I didn't ever see him again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was uh, playing game up at Warrialic and this little man, funny little man with a with a hat and a gabardine overcoat, you know, looked like uh, something out of the mafia came on the ground and he said, son, he said, do you get nervous uh, before a game? And I said, yes. <laughs> he said, my name's Speakman, Fergie Speakman. He said, come down Essendon next week. So, so it was worth the wait. Beautiful. Yeah. Mm. So Essendon, obviously the Yarra Valley is a fair way from Bomberland. Um, they had recruits all over Victoria. There wasn't any zones back Yeah, then. there was no, no, no control then. Um, yeah. Actually, it leads to another story because I, I was um, I was about 15 at that stage, still at school. So I used to come down, uh, go down and train one night a week and and um, I'd go into Cookie's office and I think he'd give me about uh, five bob or something, which was enough for my, my, the return ticket uh, from Lilydale to uh, Essendon on the train. Uh, enough for a pie and a milkshake at Flinders Street before I got <laughs> home. And because the buses had stopped, I, th I think it was about, I, don't, I can't remember, but uh, the only way I could get home was a taxi. So uh, I did that for about half the, about half the year. And it took me, it took me about three or four years to come down. And because um, I was only a kid, I played uh, 15, 16, I played a, a, um, they'd allow you to come down and pl play a game. You get a sort of a semi-clearance or a, an agreement that you'd come down. So I went down and played one week. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's another interesting story. The next year I think I played three. Um, but once again I was still still, uh, still at school. And the next year um, I was going to come down, but the club worry convinced me to stay and get, just get a little bit older. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that might have been my first year at, uh, at uni or something like that. Um, and the next year I decided to come down and um, 
the Victorian Country Football League had a big barney with the uh, then VFL and said, um, these clubs aren't getting any money and 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 uh, either of the league. So the league had actually said to them, yeah, we're not going to clear Daniel. Uh, we're not going to clear him at all. We need him and uh, you're not giving any of us any money. So I stood out for about six, uh, well, half the, half the year. Um, while uh, they fought um, a battle about um, clubs and leads getting money. And um, then the VFL said, well, we're the bosses, so this is what we're going to do. And that was it. So that's, yeah. that, that's eventually got going. So it took me a while to get there. Mm. So, you said that, like, uh, so you were involved with the club for what? Is that like since 63, 64 or...? Yeah, um, well, I played. I played my first game in '68. Yep. Um, so '67 was when I was there, but I was going down at training as yeah. As, yeah. So, um, at the beginning of '63, uh, I <laughs> we used to we a little all little students used to because uh, I'd moved down from Leangatha from lots of Leangatha people now. Yeah. Um, down from South Gippsland, and um, it was fascinating for me because all the kids would meet at the Lilydale station about nine o'clock, and they go to the footy. So if you were going, if you were going with me, and we're, Footscray was playing Essendon, mm. and the Footscray and Essendon kids would all get together, and off they go to the footy. And the next week it might be Richmond, so the Essendon Richmond again. So fantastic thing. Mm. Anyway, um, out at Windy Hill one day, I decided I was going to go out in the reserves. <laughs> and dodged the coppers. <laughs> Got my coppers chasing me. I dodged them through, and I got through. And some old fella said to me, uh, "Here, kid, clean clean the boots because it was a bit muddy." So I, I was a hero of, of Lillydale High School because I cleaned <laughs> the Eastern Reserves boots. Brilliant. And so we, we, I, I was wrapped. So uh, every uh, every every week I'd charge out and. Dodge the coppers, and if they if they look like catching me, one of the trainers is saying, "No, he's with us." Yeah. So um, the reserves guys were absolutely wrapped when I walked in one day with my bag. They were they were they were wrapped. Yeah, you'd already build up a rapport with them, obviously. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was that was a fantastic club. Mm. Yeah. Now, fantastic. um, I was just reading about your profile. You played in '68, and as you said, you played I think six games in '68. Um, you listed as 68 games, and that was under uh, John Burt. I'm oh, sorry, John, Jack Clark. Sorry, I forgot yep. that. Um, Jack Clark. Um, now, he was an, obviously an Essendon legend. Um, how did you like his coaching? Uh, I love Clarky. Clarky's, uh, Clarky's the, the best coach I've ever I played under. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, he doesn't get as much credit. Um, I think Barassi gets a lot of the credit that Clarky should have got because. Um, I mean, Clarkey had Ron, and Ron used to—they used to—they used to buzz off and go to the the NFL and 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 basketball in um, in America and stuff, and where they discovered a lot lots of stuff. And I, I really believe it was Clarkey that um, brought a lot of stuff back, stats and so on. And uh, we used to be involved in conversations, and 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 uh, you know, like. I remember having a conversation with him one day and, and he said, where's the weak spot in your game? And I said, well, I came down here. I could mark, just about mark anyone, outmark anyone in comp. Um, I'm all right in the ground, but 
I never, never had, I've never had to twist and turn. I've got no idea what to do. And he said, well, what are we going to do about that? And I said, well, you're a rover. You teach me to twist and turn. And I said, and I'll teach Macca and Sid Pryor how to kick because they can make car. We started, you know, like, and, and, he, and it's what we did. And, you know, there were people took responsibility for each other. And um, But he talked to people. He talked to people. Yeah, and, and his ideas were were well beyond his years. And I, as I said, I think Barras got a fair bit of um, the kudos of things that Clarkie had started. But Barras, with his, being as vocal as he was, he let everyone know what he was doing, of course. And Jack was a very quiet bloke who, who didn't. But, that, you know, good tactics, good thoughts, good knowledge of the game, you know. In that 68 season, sorry, they just um, they made the grand final, the Bombers, um, yep. and they were, they were very unlucky not to win the flag. Only three points, I think it was the difference. Um, yeah. It was played in front of a crowd of 116,000, which, um, you know, we don't see those kind of crowds anymore, probably due to OH&S, um, I can imagine. But, um, yeah, do you have any... Recollections of the night, you didn't play. Yeah, I do. I got, I got, I got injured about three games out, oh. which <laughs> peed me off. Um, and uh, I made it back um, uh, during the finals to play in the twos, but couldn't scrape back, couldn't scrape back into the seniors. But the reserves won that day. Mm. Yeah, Any we the reserves won that day, um, and the other and the and the seniors got beaten by uh, four points, if I remember, it was something like six eight to six four. Yeah, yes, yeah, it was um, one that got away. Yeah, sounds like, especially against the old enemy. Um, so, like in '68, so you started with the number forty-five. I'm, I'm guessing that's uh, you know the number that was available at the time, uh, and then you took the number twenty-eight. Uh, throughout the rest of your playing career, so did the number twenty-eight have a special significance to you, Peter? Or yeah, well, it, it does. Remember, I said um, I used to get, I used to get me a couple of bob to catch the uh, the train back. Yeah. Um, well, the Kookaburra was an interesting fellow. He um, he took an interest in me almost right from the start, and we chat and whatever. Very, very regular. He regularly he'd drive drive me down the station, and we'd sit there for half an hour till I got really scared I was going to get home at all because I had to get back out to live it up. Um, but he'd chat, and uh, and when he retired, he asked me if I'd take the number. Oh, and Alex and, Evans, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I uh, I was delighted that he did so, and I probably thought about it a little bit and I wasn't really established that much that that it was a big number. And, and I also remember that I'd come down a little bit before. So I think one year I will 53, another year I will 51. And so then I got 45 as a more regular number and made the seniors with that number. But um, when Alec asked me, um, I uh, I said, yeah. So it's it's always... When you get a footy number, you 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 stick with it. It's, I mean, uh, number twenty eight in every Tats Lotto. Let's say it's forty five. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Um, uh, now, what was the circumstances behind Jack Clark uh, leaving? Was that uh, just Essendon weren't happy where they were, or was that on his own fruition? 
Yeah, look, uh, I, I don't, I don't really know. I, I, um, we all had our own opinions. I think about it, mm. um, but it, uh, yeah, I, I certainly was very, very disappointed. I'm very mm. disappointed. But um, yeah, I don't know. They, they um, I mean, I've coached enough now to know that. Uh, when things are not going what everyone wants them to go. And we've been a very proud club. And at that stage of the game, I was, we were sort of always around. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe they thought that uh, things were... And and, and Clarkie um, was a quiet, intelligent bloke, um, but he also had his own opinion. And I, I could well imagine that he was being told a few things uh, that he wouldn't necessarily bend as much as mm. uh, some people might have expected him to. So, you know, like, um, yeah, I, I, in reality, I don't know. Yeah. yeah he, was, so he was superseded by um, John Burton. He, he only got one season. Um, he's obviously said that uh, Jack Clark was your best coach. Uh, what did you see John Burt as a coach um, when he took over? Yeah, look, um, uh, enjoyed uh, enjoyed um, uh, Sparrow. He's, uh, once again, entirely different, had a, had a different view on, on things and the way things. He wasn't, um, he wasn't probably as out there. He, he's uh, tactically didn't, in my opinion, thinking back on it, sort of, uh, take some of the more different approaches that maybe Clarkie would have done. Um, and, uh, yeah, look, he, he was just – but his, his, his ability was to deal with everyone and talk to everyone. And he was, you know, a lovely bloke, nice bloke. He was – his, his objective all the time was to bind the team together, which, which I think he, he was successful in doing this whole time. Yeah. Now, when, when you first started playing, Peter, I mean, your second season, I think you kicked 20 plus goals. Um, I noticed the year after. Bad for fullback. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What happened um, the following year? Then you, like, you played more games, but um, played. Did they place you down back? I imagine is the reason you only kicked three goals the following season. Yeah, look, uh, I went down. I've never blown the back line in my life. Um, I went down as a, as a full forward, centre-half forward, forward ruckman. Um, and um, so, uh, you know, the, the year that I kicked goals, we had a bit of a system. I mean, uh, basically what I did was I changed in the ruck with Donnie McKenzie um, and I spent most of my time in the forward pocket. And, um, and uh, I'd get maybe two or three runs on the ball for the day. But I was I was there to kick goals, and um, I was a marking player. So um, the system was if it was Noonan or whoever it was, uh, they'd do the leading, and if they were covered, they'd just put the ball up in the air, and I'd try and jump on heads, basically. So um, but then we had what the club thought was a number of key forwards, but they were short on backmen, and someone came up with the bright idea that they thought... Um, that uh, that could be what I do, um, and so that's what I did. Although you know, <laughs> on the same basis, um, I, I probably played. I don't know. I've never worked it out. Maybe fifty or sixty percent of my games at fullback. The only positions I was never actually selected in the team 
was uh, a winger or rover. <laughs> I was selected <laughs> in the team in every other position. Yeah. Probably goes back to that uh, to that weaving about, Peter. But um, yeah, well, like, <laughs> like as a as a forward, you know, um, so that second year he kicked like two bags of six, like against St Kilda in South Melbourne, um, and yeah. then four against Fitzroy. Um, like so, they're obviously great individually, but then there's a the team aspect of it. So. You know, while you've played as a key forward, key back, ruckman, uh, that kind of thing, like, did you have a specific position you preferred to play? Like, did you prefer paint down back or? Uh, no, I, I, well, I mean, I look back on it now and I, I sort of think to myself, I should have really committed myself utterly and completely to, um, to make that position my own and whatever, but I still had in mind all the time that I really was a key forward. Yep. Um, and and so it, it uh, yeah, look, I, you know, I had my, my last year, actually, I had a fan, fantastic uh, pre-season. Um, Bart Cummings' foreman decided he was going to train me up and, and I ran lots of uh, straight sixes at Flemington under him and came back as fit as a Mallee Bull. When Tubner was coaching, but um, he stood us around for a while, and I pulled a hamstring before for the first oh. game. And I, I've had sensational practice matches at centre half forward, uh, kicked some sixes and fours and fives and stuff. And I, I was really on fire, but I was out for about eight and nine weeks, and you know, wrecked me. But you know, like on the same basis. Uh, you know, we're all happy. We're all part of a team. We're mm. all, you know, and I, I was lucky enough to have blokes like Daryl Gerlach beside me and, and um, you know, blokes like Johnny Williams and so on, you know, out at Senaf back. Mm. But the other thing that people don't think about is um, the challenge because there was never a week off in my time at fullback. There was never a week off. You just think about, you start naming the, other than Buddy Franklin, so on the top full forwards. That's who I had every week, every single week, week after week. We a Hudson, a Wade, um, a Hart, a Hunt. Uh, it just went on and on and on. Jezelinko, and it was <laughs> continuous. So there was plenty of challenge, you know. There's plenty of challenge. McKenna, you know, yeah. just every week. Mm. And Essendon had one of their own in left of. Um... Yeah, uh, <laughs> how did you find him? As he, um, yeah, we, we all know him as the specs, you know, wearing the, the, the glasses. Uh, but um, he, he kicked like, 100 goals in a season, didn't he? Yeah, and 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 you have to say, sort of, you look him walk out, you'd say, he's unlikely, you know, he's got, <laughs> he's got glasses and he's got, you know, early on, he had that much. Um, tape off his knees to hold his glasses on and, you know, sort of uh, weighed about three stone ringing wet. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, he could fly and he could run and he's a beautiful kick and lovely mark. Yeah, yeah, great player. But we were blessed. And see, that was another thing you asked me before. I mean, so we've got Noonan, we've got Blith and we've got, you know, they just kept popping up, these key forwards. So I get goal square at the other end. Yeah. <laughs> so like from that time Peter, you know who are your favorite teammates to play with and like you were talking about 
like opponents you, you had. So Hudson, and I think you even had a rivalry with him in your coaching career as well, Danny Tassie. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So, like, you know, who were your best teammates to play with and, and who were those opponents that you just really wanted to, to beat? Um, well, uh, look, I... I... We had, we had we had so many and you know like you be, you become you become really really close and I mean Daryl Bald oh Daryl Daryl Burlack was always a great foil for me so you know we had we had a great understanding and you know that was that was fantastic um, you know I, I admired people like uh, Graham Moss what a mm. superb superb mm. player he was um, and Barry Davis. Unbelievable, you know. Uh, you know, we we played with uh, there was you know Noonans and Blethens, you know. It just it just goes on. There was there was so many good players, and and you just you just think back and appreciate because everyone is different, and, and this is uh, this is my stuff about coaching. So what you do is you, you you look at everyone and you say, where's their strengths, where their weaknesses, what can we do about their weaknesses, and and um, that's what we were trying even back then. And um, you know, there was there was a lot of good times, fantastic times on the field, some bloody good runs off the field too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, as far as um, as far as uh, well, Jezelenko, absolute freak, absolute freak. Um, uh, we're playing a game out at. Um, uh, the car, the old Carton ground, and Weslofs wasn't having a really good day kicking off, and he was kicking his drop kicks. And I'm standing on Jezza, and we're standing in the goal square, and he, he he wasn't getting anywhere, sort of quite near the centre. And all of a sudden, Jezzelenko led, and Lofts got under this ball. It must have gone 75 metres, and Jezzelenko marked it between the half forward flank and the wing. And I said. You know, he kicked it in. Thank God he didn't kick a goal because I was about <laughs> 10 yards behind him. And I said, why did you do that, Jezza? What, what's the story about what? And he said, oh, I don't know. I just thought he'd get on to one sooner or later. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and that's what he was. He just had the ability to just be where the ball was going to be. And when he got it, his, his skill level, he was one of those first characters that she does and I have talked about on a number of occasions in the early days that had the long body and the short legs and the and the and the strong center of gravity. So he, he, he could just yeah he could move. He was wonderful. Um, even though Hutto keeps um, disagreeing with me, I really didn't have all that much trouble with Hutto. We, yeah. we had a different... Uh, well, there was another thing. Jack Clark said, how are you going to play Hudson? I said, I'm going to play him from behind. He said, don't be stupid. You don't ever play a full forward from behind. I said, well, how often do you see Hudson pushing the bloke and then running back into a, um, a goal? So he thought about that and he said, I'm not convinced. So he rang... Um, Ronnie Casey, and, and I believe we were one of the first, he and I went in and watched a bit of a film of Hudson, and he said, all right, let's do it. And, and that's, what I, that's what I did. And then Sandy Talbot, who took over from me at fullback when I was playing in other places, he did the same. We had a good record, record against Hutto. Mm -hmm. um, I had an absolute shocker against Peter McKenna. Oh. <laughs> Probably the best game, one of the better games I played for Essendon. I took in, in excess of 
20 odd marks. I don't know how many kicks I had and, and how many interceptions. Um, and we got beaten 30 30 to five goals, something. Um, there's only one small problem with the game McKenna kicked 12 1. Every time I looked down the ground, there'd be a one of the Richardsons or a Tully or whatever drilling it down his throat. Um, so, yeah, 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 just um, – but, you know, they're all different. See, Wade, Wade played football like Lockett and the big blokes. Mm. So he was different. Um, Hart was just sort of – he was like a Rolls Royce. You just mm. you just had to try and be everywhere you could. Um, Rexy Hunt was a bit like um, – he was a bit like Wade, you know. He's big and strong and six foot across. Mm. Um, but 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 then you had blokes like Dempsey came back after getting burnt, and he played a full forward, and he's six foot six and a half. He had to Oosh. beautiful Mark and Brownlow medalist. You had to play him in a different way. Then you, next week you'd play on Alan Davis, who was five foot ten, and was like or, or Lee Matthews. Played, <laughs> I, I played a full game on Lee Matthews in playing a full forward. Um, you know, every every game was a was a change, and you had to keep your your head on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he played in a couple of finals campaigns for the Bombers in uh, I think seventy two and seventy three. They made the elimination final, uh, both times against the Saints, and um, both times they fixed us up pretty easily. Uh, do you have any thoughts on those games? Yeah, better forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like a, once again, looking back as a coach, I mean, I what I can remember, and I can't can't really fault where the issues were. Um, other than we were probably that 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 probably was where we were, you know, somewhere between four and five. Mm. Um, we weren't we weren't the best or the second best team in the comp. Um, and we, we just, we just didn't, for whatever reason, we just didn't play well on the, on the, on the days. Um, hugely disappointing, um, pretty shattering for, 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 for all of us, but you know, that's what football is. You know, there's, uh, in those days there was 12 odd teams and only four or five made it and only one wins it, gets it at the end. And, um, you either perform on the day, play above yourself on the day or, we miss out, mm. but we, we, you know, like as I said, uh, in reality, it's we're we're in the top half dozen teams, or maybe in the top four or five, but we probably weren't in the top two or three. So maybe that's where you know, maybe it was where we were. Yeah, I was interested in that seventy-two season where uh, I think it was seventy-three season where uh, we actually finished fourth and Saints were fifth. And they end up kicking like twenty four goals that that day um, to get to get over the top of us. So that must have been hugely disappointing at the time for you guys. Yeah, well, as I said, you know, like I touched on the fact that you know we just didn't play well, um, yeah. and that's 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 what happened. And you know, like it's a our, our game is a wonderful game, um, and one of the hardest things even today. Um, if a side gets a run on, is to stop it. Um, that's a that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a whole team activity to be able to close a team down 
And I don't know whether we, in those days, went into all those techniques and tactics as as much as they do now. Um, you know, there's there's a whole range of um, ways in which you can do that, depending on who you're playing. Um, but they got to run on, and we just literally couldn't hold them. And um, and then all of a sudden, you're so far behind that you can't do anything about. It. Mm. Yeah. Um... So, like, in, through your um, career, Peter, so you, I know you came to um, Essendon while, you know, James's grandfather, Alan Hurd, was vice president and then president of the club. And then, uh, you know, so you, you played with Dustin's father, Ken, um, and your 100th game for Essendon was coincidentally the debut game of uh, Simon Madden. So did you, uh, <laughs> did you sort of keep track of the younger generation as they were coming through or, like, keep tabs with Essendon? Yeah. Yeah, look, absolutely. And um, no, I don't know whether you, you if you ever do an interview about Simon Madden, you've got to ask him about his first game. Because <laughs> I was actually playing full forward oh, when right. he made his, yeah, and his debut. And he only came on in the last quarter, maybe in the last 10 minutes. And it was close, it was really, really tight. We were either just behind, I can't remember, or just in front, but <clears throat> I'd said to him, okay, thinking back to what I did and knowing that he was a light kid and whatever, I said, right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead hard and then I'm going to stop and I'm going to hold the try and hold the pack. You hold back and come over and go for it. Just go for your marks. Anyway, tried a couple of times, but in the end with a couple of minutes to go, he sailed over the top of the pack mm pulled this mark down about 25 metres out. And we were desperate to get this goal, absolutely desperate to get this goal. And I said, now, settle down, kids, settle down, kids, settle down, because only about 15 or 16. Yeah. Settle down. And uh, and his eyes were going round and round like something out of a, a, a cartoon. I'm going to kick a goal. I'm going to kick a goal. I'm going to kick a goal. And I couldn't settle him, so I took the ball off him. <laughs> I just took it off. I said, I'm not, giving, I'm not giving it back until you settle down. And eventually settled down, he went back and kicked the goal. Um, oh. But if you ever get the chance to to ask Simon about the first game, and, you know, like he's been embarrassed by it on a number of occasions, but it's a great story. Yeah, look, I, I still contact with um, with Simon on a regular basis. He quite often rings me. Or we've had a couple of nights out here when we've been here and... Uh, and um, yeah, uh, yeah, and, and and I've watched and loved watching Dustin and and uh, you know and Kenny's young bloke and and um, and it was interesting uh, what a sensational James Hurd was and because I, I didn't very, get on very well with Mister Hurd senior. Oh. We, <laughs> we had uh, we had a very major altercation during the um, during the, uh, the when the boys went on strike. Ah, right. That's a that's a fascinating story you fellas should do because that changed football. Changed football. Mm-hmm. It created the Players Association. It, it, it created contracts. It did everything. Anyway, Johnny Williams and I had to go and um, tell Mr Hurd that uh, we, the rest of the players, as had been requested by the other five guys, weren't, and we weren't going to strike, we were going to play our hearts out for the club, as we'd been told to by the five guys, mm. but they needed to know that we were supporting them. 
And um, so Mr. Hurd and I had some, uh, had some altercations. We didn't quite get on very much very well after that, but that was a bit bit funny, for, and which was a bit difficult because I was a school teacher and he was second in charge of the education department and president yeah. of the football club. So I lost my world in a minute and a half. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. he, he was such a, a presence around the Essendon Football Club, wasn't he? Like, um, so well, the whole, I guess the whole dirt. Her dynasty. I mean, James's dad was uh, was sent our forward in the reserves when I first went down there. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. So they were an absolute dynasty, didn't they? Sure did. Hey, have you got another one? Oh yeah. So um, I guess you know after you retired from from Essendon, Peter. So you became captain coach of uh, North Launceston. Uh, Launceston, you got to say Launceston. Launceston. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know they hadn't won a flag since '63, uh, I believe. And um, you know, in, your, in that first year, so '75, um, you took them to the grand final and took them to like seven consecutive grand finals. If, I, uh, if I've got that right, uh, winning five of those. Uh, flag. So, what, what do you think it was that made that team so successful? Um, and what sort of messages would you instill with the players to keep them up and driven to succeed? Uh, I think there's. Oh, I talked about Jack Clark before, and mm. and 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 being able to communicate and talk. Um, I, I also, I mean, I love the game. I watch the game, and and. Um, but I'm also a school teacher, and I think one mm. of the things that's finally come to roost in the AFL now is if you look how many ex-school teachers or school teachers that are in the coaching situations, and that is, uh, you know, like the old days, uh, you were considered if you if you if you signed on, you were good enough to play AFL football, and you were actually told that. And this is this comment that was said to Clark. Well, I can't, I can't ball. No one's ever told me. So it's about looking at weaknesses. It's about planning. It's about it's about um, looking at what needs to be done. And it's about looking at not only about what you've got to have about three three irons in the fire. What's happening at the moment? What's going to happen next year? What's going to happen in two years' time? I mean, in, in, in that first year, we lost Tony, uh, after the first year, we lost Tony Pickett to Carlton and Marsh to Essendon. Uh, there were about four others hovering around. Um, uh, Shane Frost, uh, he, he went to Queensland, he got headhunted. We, we lost a heap of players because we had a good quality team. But we'd also started thinking about the next year. Um, and we didn't get it the next year, but we, we only just missed out by a couple of points and the next year we missed out by a point. Um, so it was it's about planning and it's and it's about tactics and it's about systems and and it's about looking at what you've got and developing a game plan so you can utilize all the strengths that you've got. Now we I had to make a comeback one year because we didn't have a bloke that was um, over five foot eleven in the team, <laughs> and I'd been retired for six months. Uh, the t three tallest blokes were out and they were out for six or eight weeks, um, but we went on and we won the premiership. So it's about making changes and having your head around what your players are capable of doing, what they need to do, what you can strengthen up to do, and having systems and game plans. And we we would. Uh, 
we would do drills that the first couple of years that someone would say, why are we doing this? And I'd say, work it out. But it'd be part of a drill. And then we'd do another drill when we did that drill. But then all of a sudden there'd be three drills and all of a sudden I'd add them all together. And it was a whole system by which a way in which we were going to bring the ball into a forward line using the skills that we had, where blokes were opening out and coming around or, or, or whatever it actually was. So we, and I, and I had two magnificent assistants, a bloke over here that's a legend called Chang Young, and about, I don't know, 15 reserves, um, grand finals or something like that. And when I went off to Subiaco, he took over the seniors the next year and won a won a premiership with them too. So, you know, like we worked very closely together. We had um, had a fantastic group of players Um, and, um, yeah, it just worked. Yeah, brilliant. like the sound of that um, system and game plan. Uh, hopefully the uh, the current bomber list can, uh, can work on that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. But the, the biggest thing, you know, like I got, I, I got frustrated, terribly frustrated over the last couple of years um, with, with some of the game plan or lack thereof or whatever. To my, to my way of system, we, we, we weren't using what we had as players. I mean, mm. particularly when we had the Irishman and Saad on half-back flanks and we had all of our little blokes like Heppel and, and you know, you, you can name them, all really, really good players and merits and whatever. Why weren't we using those blokes to just run the ball through the middle hard and fast? But we get to the stop and all of a sudden we stop and we go back around, back into the back line, back around, eventually <laughs> lose the ball instead of... Mm. You know, you 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 got to be brave to win football games. You got to be brave to use your skills and your abilities, and and, and unless you you can work that out, if it didn't work, if it didn't work, they wouldn't have done any worse than they did. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's true. No, that's fine. Yeah. So it's just it's, a, it's really about looking at what you got and how can you use them best. Yeah. Just to go back, just quickly. Um, I just wanted to ask about like, your last couple of years at Essendon, like with uh, Des Tudnam, and then obviously uh, you retired at a relatively under age, 26, I think you were. Um, but was that a reason? Was that forced on there by them, or was that you were ready to let go? No, I'd um, I said I did that hamstring. Well, it was a lot worse than actually thought, mm. um, and uh, I was pretty despondent by the end of the time. Um, we probably weren't. Uh, terribly happy club at that stage. Um, as I said, I was a school teacher. I'd done a lot of coaching in my school coaching career, mainly with the girls, by the way. Um, but um, it had, a word had got out that, there, you know, like this bloke might be a coach. So I had, uh, even the year I left, I wasn't really going to go, even though I'd had offers from up Shepparton Way and Port Melbourne and, and a couple in Tassie and one in South Australia. I just said no to more. I didn't intend to go. Um, but there was a lot of other factors. I had a, a young family. Um, I got caught in the in the whole business of uh, of the housing boom. So, I mean, you've got to keep in mind that at this stage of the game, we VFL players were on the mighty sum of with the cold allure of $30 a match. Yeah. So we trained, yeah. we trained four, four nights a week and we got 30 bucks. Um, 
So and we fitted it in with studies and work and everything else. Um, I I couldn't see where we're going to get ahead as far as housing and, and everything uh, as a young family. Um, I guess that had something to do with it. Um, my leg and whether it was going to come up was something else to do with it. Um, that we weren't in a really happy place at Essendon. Um, um, had something to do with it. Um, so I guess they just uh, all all come together. Mm. As Essendon as a club, um, do they reach out to their former players? Like, do, you know, I know um, Kevin Cheedy's a big historian of the game. Um, I know that was well before his time at Essendon, but has he ever reached out or the club reached out? Oh, uh, yeah, look, we, we, the, I mean, the Essendon <laughs> Football Club has uh, a great um, old player association, fantastic. Barry Capuano has been uh, been president since uh, Adam was a boy. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 a fantastic association, and they they have a um, a big a big do where it's t- there are tables of other clubs come to our mm-hmm. function, um, and uh, you know, there's 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 a guy there's a guy there who uh, well there's a guy and his secretary that is constantly um, inviting us to things um, from the club. Uh, they meet regularly. They have um, they have uh, reunions at games, two or three games that they have, you know, sort of halftime reunions. Um, and they they so they 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 do all those sorts of things. Um, yeah, and look, a lot of blokes, a lot of blokes still keep in touch. But um, as a club, yes, they 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 do the they do the stuff, and um, and uh, and they support the players' association to do it too. Yeah, and just lastly, a lot a, a lot of people have talked about. Uh, obviously, we don't like to rehash it, but the saga apparently left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, including some former players and. Um, you know, I did hear comments that some of the former Essendon players were quite disappointed with the club being associated with that. Was did you ever hear any mumblings of that? Are you talking about the drug saga? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Look, what can we say? Um, we're disappointed. Um, uh, I'm different to a lot of people. I think maybe heard he was a bit of the fall guy because he. Uh, was he trusted people to do what he'd yeah. asked them to do, and I don't know that he'd. I don't know, but I get the feeling from everything I've heard and read that he hadn't asked them to do any of that sort of stuff, and um, people had stepped outside his parameters. But you know, you head charang, you you. That's that's what happens to you. Um, yeah. I think also that. I think. I think. The AFL has got to a given stage that you would have to be a fairly strong person to say, no, I know you're telling me to do that, but I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it wasn't it? There's only two two that said, I think that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Uh, that said, yeah, that said, that said no, but you'd have to be because you know you. So how many kids are there in Victoria or, or around Australia who want to play AFL football? 
<laughs> you get the opportunity to you get there and you're told if you if you want to be successful, you've got to <coughs> excuse me, you've got to do as the rest of the team, we're gonna do this together and this is what you're gonna do, and it's not all that mm. worry, we're not breaking any rules, you do it. Um yeah. Yeah, that, a lot, lot of lot of people got just got caught up in all of that. And yeah. and, and I know they sound like excuses, but um uh, should never have happened. None of us mm. uh, none of us are happy about that it did happen. And um I mean I don't I don't I don't think I go I certainly don't go a week without someone throwing crap at me about it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm in Tassie. I mean, uh, you know, if I if I was over over there, it uh, it'd be even worse. And you know, I think all supporters are the same. As soon as you get into any sort of heated mm -hmm. arguments, you, you it comes up, doesn't it? You get tired. Yeah. Um, and you know, like. Uh, we just got to get over it. We just got to prove them wrong. We just got to step over it. And I know, <laughs> really different, difficult for those group of players that are still there, um, mm. that have dealt with it, and probably to some extent, um, difficult for the poor kids that have come in and, and got to deal with them when they weren't even part of it. Mm. But yep. um, it's happened. It's happened. We just got to move on. Exactly. That's it. Mm. And uh, talking about. Moving on, Peter, into bigger and brighter stuff. Um, last one from me, but um, so you're Tasmanian Hall of Famer, um, again, a fantastic achievement following your su successful sort of uh, VFL career with Essendon and then your coaching career. So, um, yeah, I guess the debate sort of goes round and round, but where do you sit on the sort of long standing debate about uh, yeah, having an AFL side based in Tasmania? Absolutely, I think the whole uh, the whole business. Uh, you know, for years uh, the AFL and others got away with the whole business about can't possibly have it because the population is not big enough to support um, uh, the money that it costs to run it. Mm. Um, but we all know that that's uh, balderdash on the basis that uh, they're going to they're going to be global or international or national sponsors that are going to sponsor it anyway, and that's where the money is going to come. There might be a few support, you know, support. Um, it's uh, it should happen, and it should happen because well, you look at the number of Hall of Famers that we've got from Tasmania. You still look at um, the number of players that we get. Now we we had a bit of a high otis because here about pr promoting and 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 players coming through because we really didn't get quite the support from the AFL into our you know, our state that, that we should have got, um, you know, because they were so busy promoting Queensland, promoting New South Wales and promoting all of these other areas that they aren't football states. And I know that's not the be-all and end-all, but Tasmania is a very, very, very strong parochial football state. Um, <clears throat> yes, we need support. We need support. We need... We need a couple of key administrative people here, as well as everything else. Um, we need uh, we need some control about uh, the same as they've given these other clubs about how many draftees we're going to take. We need uh, some options to be able to ping a couple of 28, 27, 28 year olds from a variety of clubs to give us a spine or something down the middle. Um, we, we, we would need government support, which I think we have. I mean, um, our Premier's uh, an ex-NTFA and 
and Western Australian footballer. Um, so you know, like there, there, there are people here that 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 are very strong about it. But there are all, also people that are past players. You know, like uh, the, the Huddos and and and, and um, Rue and and a lot of these guys um, have, um, have have made their you know their feelings felt, and and they would they would muster and have mustered support on a number of on a number of fronts. Um, it should happen. It's no good them saying let's just dump North Melbourne in there because they wouldn't go to Queensland and they wouldn't go to Canberra and they wouldn't go to Ballarat. Uh, let's just dump them down there um, because in reality that's that's not being successful as far as crowds and stuff in Hobart. They've been Hobart screamed for, for for what's known, but it, it hasn't been a tremendous success. And and we get the feeling Hawthorne's been different. Mm-hmm. Um, they they enjoy coming over, but we also get the feeling that they're visitors. Yeah, okay. you know they 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 don't own the state, mm-hmm. um, and. Um, There'd be no doubt that there would be no problem. I mean, Hawthorne's got a gigantic membership base from from Tasmania. Gigantic. Mm. Um, we, we we would have no trouble pulling 60,000 60, members here without any doubt. And then we'd start be starting to add for all those Tasmanians that are in Queensland and all the rest of the around the, the place. So they'd have the support, probably. The only detrimental thing is that we have this little line that goes across Tasmania. Uh, it's called the 42nd Parallel. Mm. And when old Captain Cook and all the boys got Sydney going, the next place they got going was Tasmania. And they couldn't decide which end to start, so they put a lieutenant government governor at each end, both of whom thought they were governors, and it hasn't changed since. Yeah. So the north of the state and the south of the state, doesn't matter how much we try, there is still Sydney and Melbourne's got nothing on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like we've nearly got there a lot of times, but this would be a way that could pull that together. And, and people travelled from Hobart. They did. I was on the, um, the York Park Inverest Precinct Authority um and uh we did we did a lot of um data collection about who was attending games mm. and so there was 30% coming from the northwest coast there was 30% coming from Hobart and there was 40% coming from Launceston yeah, well, so yeah. that you know people will travel it's only 2 hour drive it's like going from Ballarat down um mm. since north melbourne's been that's dropped off significantly from Hobart because if they want to go and see it AFL games that can go to Bell Reef. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they will they will travel, they will look, um, and it should happen. It should happen. But with with strong support, at least the support they gave those other fledgling clubs when they started them up. Yeah. Well, let's hope it happens. Mm. Um, Peter, my last question surrounds about, uh, we talked about earlier, about it, uh, you played between the drought years between basically 66 to 83. Uh, Essendon's in a 
whole new drought um, <laughs> from 2001 to current. Um, haven't been able to win a final. Um, where do you think the club needs to go? Like, obviously, to get to that next step, do you think they've made the right decisions to get there or is it still a while off in your eyes? Um, I think it's a while. I, I, I'm, I'm, interested, I'm interested to see what the experiment of the, the coach being a, a quarter coach last year and then taking over, mm-hmm. um, to see how much of a run that's given him in. Um, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a big one. Um, I'm interested. Well, we, we, we really have no idea mm-hmm. about his coaching expertise. You know, it comes, comes with lots of reps. Um, if he can establish a pattern <laughs> that I was talking about before, <laughs> some systems and some strategy that, that, that this is us, this is Essen, and this is the way we are, um, that's going to help. However, the loss of Fantasia, Saad, Connor, Joey, mm. hard, um, then there's a couple of our, our two key backmen are probably getting toward the end of it. Um, You know, like, uh, I think we're going to have to say, let's let's get the ones we've got with potential. I mean, we found kids, um, I can't even think of his name, kid that won the best and fairest last year in halfback flank, wonderful player. Yeah, Ridley, yeah. Yep. Just, just delightful right from the nearly from the first from the first day, um, but there's a number of them that have been sort of in and out, in and out. Um, um, there's a number of them last year started to come of age, and I think, you know, there's quite a number of them had a few years. There's kids like Ham and so on, and Clark and so on. They, they've had enough time now. It's 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 time. Um, the goal kicking issue worries me more than anything else, um, and I think they need to sort out those key that running combination of Shield and Merritt and Heppel and and even Macca and, and there's a, there's about five or six or seven of them. That they've got to they've got to work into a, a real methodology to try and break the other teams up, um, but I'm sort of worried that it's going to take a couple of years for a couple of the big key forwards. Now that we've lost Danaher, mm. um, I think we've got a couple coming on as far as the back line. Um, this year will be a prover about that. Um, and um, I think we've got another good Ruckman coming on, um, Draper. Um, and I, yeah, yeah, the potential's there if it's used well. But don't, don't, ex- don't expect us to um, be winning a grand final next year. Yeah. We've, 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 we've got to take a couple of years to really settle in and fill the gaps and... And, um, you know, if we make the finals, and quite possibly we could if things are working well. Um, but it's, you know, when you, look, you've got 
Richmond, Geelong, Brisbane, whatever, whatever, you know. You, you can quite easily go down to six, right down to Footscray. You've got Carlton that might even be a year in front of us with all their young blokes that they've brought on. But then you go back and you look at Brisbane and you say, well, how did they do it in a year, year and a half? Mm-hmm. So it's possible if you get the right system and if people are working together and um, if the strategies and structures are, are in place. And I think we've got to wait a little. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we've been waiting for a long time, haven't we? So what's we have, year or so? we have, but uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe we're getting used to it. At least we're not some killer. Yeah, <laughs> um, no. But then again, we've had a few more interruptions along the way than some of the other clubs have had. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, if it hadn't been for the saga that we mentioned before, we we're starting to look like we're a real challenge. We we're starting to put a group together. Unfortunately, a lot of those groups, have been so caught up that in some ways we've wasted them, you know. Yeah. You know, the Sheedy brought, brought the group of kids together, the Baby Bombers, and they come ahead and they are expected two or three years down the track and he went bang and won it. Hawthorne a year uh, a couple of years ago when, um, when Buddy first burst onto the scene and went from um, 14 stone to... 21 and ball of muscle <laughs> over Christmas. Um, but the, the, they they were expected to be two or three years away. It's it's just whether they can get the balance and the systems right. Mm. Uh, well, we thank you so much for your time tonight. Um, yeah, we know we kept you up pretty late, but um, we're really fascinated by your story and your recounting of Essendon, and uh, we hope to maybe one day have another chat with you. How would you like to be there? Ah, no, no problems at all. When, when we start getting towards finals, we'll ring up and we'll pull them to pieces. Lovely to have a chance to um, to speak to the Bomberland again. Really is. And yeah. thanks for the call, boys. Appreciate yeah, it. And just before I go, I should say I want to thank George Misson, who um, put me on to you, Peter. Um, you know, I used to sit with George um, at the football. So, uh, that's where we had that connection, and um, yeah, he's a great fella, and uh, I'm sure you'd have the same feelings. Do you? Uh, next time you see George, you say to him, uh, "What happened to your tooth, George?" <laughs> when, when we're in grade six, George was the wicket keeper, and I was bowling a bit quick, and the batsman missed it, and so did George. <laughs> oh! <laughs> uh, there's a tale to tell. I will. I'll definitely get onto him on that one. <laughs> okay. Lovely Thanks again. You, boys. Uh, You're listening to Don's cast, and as we finish the show, mate, what a fascinating interview with Peter Daniel. Yeah, it was. I, I loved all those uh, little stories he talked about, you know, jumping over the fence and, uh, you know, uh, cleaning the boots of the, uh, of the Essendon side and then being invited back and, you know, eventually playing with the side. It's uh, it's fantastic. And then, you know, you hear about his stories with, you know, the you know, playing against Jezelenko, playing against Lee Matthews, uh, you know, Peter Hudson, like these absolute legends of the game. Um it was just fantastic insights from from Peter, and very fortunate to to have him on the uh, on the pod, mate. 
Yeah, and as I said, look, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, even the most avid Essendon fan, uh, we all listen to our, you know, we, we breathe um, black and red, but, like, same token, like, um, there's a lot of our club's history, you know, we don't really know that much about, and especially that era between, you know, 66 and um, 83 where, you know, the, the success wasn't coming and it was a really dour period for the club. There's a lot of those players, you know, that we really don't know much about. And um, you can just tell how much they, you know, Peter still loves the Bombers and, um, you know, we shouldn't forget about these players because, you know, I, I wonder for our generation, mate, the, um, you know, the period between 2001 <laughs> and, and, you know, 2049. Well, like, <laughs> no, um, I, I shouldn't, I'm not saying that in jest, but I mean, let's hope it never gets to that. But I mean, you know, we don't want these players to be forgotten, you know, um, you know they're still part of our journey. And um, yeah, I was really fascinated to hear from a player from that era who, you know, beforehand, I I really didn't know much about, so I'm I'm really glad I did the research, and hopefully um, that brought to a few other Essendon fans, you know, you know some of the great stories that Peter had to say, you know, found that really interesting. Yeah, it was fantastic, and like I guess like people won't uh, won't be able to see it, obviously listening to the podcast, but you know he had his uh, you know Essendon Guernsey, you know, in the background there, um, you know, beautiful, uh, you know, sort of. Um, frame and everything like that, and uh, yeah, on this on this list of the uh, you know the those players between um, yeah sixty six and eighty three, as you said, James, um, the unlucky ones are the un- um, where yeah they didn't see a lot of uh, success, but um, yeah, still a, a really important part of the fabric of the Essendon Football Club, and it was just fantastic uh, as well, just to hear the passion he, he still talked. With um, you know about the Essendon Football Club and um, you know the way he was able to talk about you know the, even the current list and and where he sees things, it's obviously um, yeah it's still a still a passion for him uh, the Bombers and uh, yeah which is great to see that um, you know even though his his playing career wrapped up in in '74 he still maintains a strong connection with the club definitely. Well, mate, um, that's it for the first episode of 2021. Uh, I guess we're all hoping we're not going to have another long, arduous season where we don't get to go to the football. So, mate, I'm not going to jinx it, but, gee, I want to get back to that footy and um, let's hope that, um, you know, we can all be at the football, you know, in 2021, at least in some capacity, you know, like where we... You know, even if we have to put up with half crowds or whatever it is, um, just to have a little bit of normality would be great with our footy because, yeah, gee, I've missed just the atmosphere of footy. And um, even when we weren't going so well, mate, to share that with your other supporters, um, you know, you, you saw them frustrated, you're, you're hurting. Um, you just had that better connection. Um you just don't get that when you're sitting on the couch and um, yeah. yelling expletives everywhere um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, getting strange looks from your family. Um, you know, it's much better doing an environment where everyone's feeling the same way. So, um, yeah, let's hope um, for all Bomber fans we we do get the opportunity to see the boys in the flesh, you know, in, in 2021. Absolutely, mate. 
No worries. All right. Well, um, thanks for listening, and uh, yeah, we'll hope to do another pod um, probably in a couple of weeks after that trial match. Um, hopefully, we get some reports from that, mate. Um, but apart from that, uh, let's say go Bombers. Go Dons. <laughs>